0: This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome back to part two of Dave and Brian's terrifying, better late than never Halloween spooktacular book-based movie Stephen Kingathon. My name's Dave, and this is Brian, and we're hey, here. Glad to be here on uh, <laughs> Dave and Brian's movie
1: Halloween spooktacular Stephen-based semi-annual book and
0: movie Pet Cemetery event. Halloween Hallow a and 2 um,
1: brothers.
0: <laughs> two brothers in a Halloween scaring people with a movie based on a book that's around Halloween. Happy Halloween, by the way, Brian. I don't think I wished you one. Um, Brian, dude. thank you. We just watched this movie, Pet Sem, That's Pet Cemetery for those of us who are in the know. And what do you think? I'm going to try to say
1: this in the least, uh, you know, highfalutin way possible, but (laughs) the book was better. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say. It's just like when you when you put it on screen like that it's just like the level of detail is not as pronounced as when you're reading it and using your own imagination
0: something ineffable is always lost in the translation from page to screen
1: <laughs> it's like when when hollywood gets their hands all over it and they have to like dumb it down for the masses more
0: like holly weird am i right yeah good one thank you all right well so yeah I mean look pet cemetery doesn't have <laughs> the reputation for being great it just has a reputation for being okay with a few standout moments you know and I, I didn't will... I didn't know that but oh well now right. I can see that now you do would you agree that there are a few standout moments yeah yeah I, I concede that yeah yeah uh, a few of them I spoke about in part one and I would say that those actually did kind of make me grip in my hand into a fist pretty tight and we'll get to those when they come up but yeah it's you know it's it's not a great film but I you know feel like I enjoyed it well enough it would fit in quite nicely in a Halloween Stephen King marathon in a Sunday afternoon watch on a couch on a blustery September afternoon. Like it's, it goes down easy.
1: Yeah, I agree. Oh yeah. Maybe don't spend a whole day like reading the book and like talking about it on a podcast and then like talking about it afterward. You know, it's not worth that.
0: Oh shit, Brian. Sorry to waste your time. (laughs) This is all my fault, Dave. I'm sorry. Thank you. Well, so with uh, the apologies out of the way, let's talk in a little more detail. So I wanted to mention this at the top, which is something that I noticed. Did you read the foreword to the book? I don't remember. Well, I did because (laughs) not to get too highfalutin, Brian, but I read the whole book. Oh. In the foreword, Stephen King mentions that he's always considered this to be one of his, if not scariest stories, uh, one of his most disturbing, one of the ones that disturbed him personally the most. I do remember the foreword now that you mentioned this because yeah. he talks about how it mirrored his own life in
1: some ways, right?
0: Well, write what you know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, he mentions that, yes, a lot of it mirrored his own life. And so I guess, you know, it causes him to think he he pulled a lot of it from his own life, like the moving to a place that had the very active road outside and a lot of it, the, the actual pet cemetery, including the misspelling is something that he came across. Uh, In the book, a lot of the details of the pet cemetery are taken verbatim from what he saw. The dialogue Mm -hmm. from the daughter about it's my cat. It's not God's cat. God can't have the cat
1: Mm -hmm. and all that
0: shit. He he just wrote what he knew, which is, by the way, uh, you know, good stuff, because, you know, the thing about writing and the thing I notice and have noticed in the very few King materials that I've read is that he has a good eye for the kind of uh, lived in sort of details that make a story, uh, nice and specific and therefore in a weird way specifics tend to make things more relatable because specificity is the soul of narrative. There you go, buddy. (laughs) And so, and so, yeah, so that, but, uh, you know, because this also revolves around the death of the tragic death of a young child, it tends to make him reflect on that and how easily it could have happened to his own family. And he finds that very disturbing. Rightly so, yeah. Yeah, there you go. The other interesting thing, not about the book, but about this movie, Brian,
1: mm.
0: did you notice yes. the director of this oh. film? No.
1: What? You didn't notice who directed it? No, I'm sorry, I did not.
0: Brian, this or, movie I, is... I didn't recognize him, at least. Well... You didn't recognize him, Brian, because this movie is not directed by a him. This movie is directed by a lady, Mary hey. Lambert. All right. It is one of the very few films uh, up to and including today, unfortunately, that was directed by a woman. Her name is Mary Lambert. Uh, this, I think, is probably the most prominent film that she's directed. But she also directed Pet Cemetery Two, which has its own reputation. I will mention, by the way, as being like batshit crazy and maybe worth its own watch <laughs> at some oh, point man. if we want. It apparently like goes off the rails in a really fun way. It might be fun to check out at some point. We she's Gremlins One and Two. This maybe Pet <laughs> One and Two. Yeah, yeah, let's let's consider doing that. She also directed um, *Urban Legends 3: Bloody Mary*, *Mega oh. Python vs. Gatoroid*, and oh, classic, yeah, and a like a shitload of music videos, including a whole bunch for Madonna. She did like oh, a wow. Virgin, Material oh. Girl, and Like a Prayer. I guess she liked the Leica series. <laughs> that's some that's some clout.
1: Those are. I mean, and in a time where music videos really meant something and Madonna was everything, right? Very impressive.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So that actually is kind of notable that, um, you know, she was one of the few successful working female directors of the 80s, not a time where that was something easy to accomplish. Sure. Yeah. What did you think of the directing in this? Oh, how do I even answer that? Keeping in mind that anything you say will be criticizing one of the only successful female working directors of the time, Brian. You know, um, I thought it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it does, I think, pretty well with what was clearly not a huge budget. I'll give it that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean
1: little bit in the special effects department but overall not a not a huge budget movie clearly
0: i really liked the um there was good repetition with the uh trucks constantly just like blasting down the road over and over again i was yeah oh yeah go ahead well i i
1: even i even noticed that they um at times where it wasn't directly shown they even had some truck passing Sound. by noise yeah, yeah just just sort of in the background which was a nice touch like yeah it's always there it's always happening
0: agreed yeah it was good i uh liked the look of the pet cemetery itself too i thought the deadfall looked exactly how it came out sort of like from my memory looked right um yeah, that kind of huge
1: uh Really massive, but also natural at the same time. It didn't. It didn't look like it was uh, a set piece.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It looked naturally formed, uh, even though I think it probably was a stage. I would also mention that um, the Indian burial ground looked mm-hmm. really cool and i wondered how they got the shot for it because uh the shot on it is from very high up and i kept wondering if it was a crane shot or a helicopter shot cuz got to be helicopter cuz they're so high up right it's like it like is on the top of
1: a hill to begin with almost like a, I, I guess if there was a, a a road above that they could have gotten it from above but i think there's no way they're getting uh you know piece of uh machinery up there and yeah this is pre pre drone, so right yeah all the aerial shots are helicopter back then
0: Mm. yeah all right makes sense yeah um there was some other uh good stuff in the directing but i'll save to point out when those come up in the actual film uh there are a few things that i kind of liked moving on to the cast so we have dale midkiff as lewis creed fred gwynn as judd crandall mm-hmm. did did you recognize fred gwynn i
1: i definitely did um and yeah he, he's one of those actors where you're like oh i know that guy what i know him from i have no clue yeah. i i think he might i think he might have played the judge in my cousin Vinny. yeah did he yeah yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it just seems like one of those character actors who's probably been working for 50 years.
0: And Brian. The Monsters. Oh, what? Okay. Did you ever watch The Monsters? No. What? You never had Nick <laughs> at Night? I never watched The Monsters, no. Oh fuck. No, 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 no. Oh, wait, that's the Adams family. What that's... the fuck am I doing? Uh, oh, well, it was wow. a clear well, rip-off of the... I, w- I will. Cutting room floor. Uh, but. Um... They're creepy and they're kooky. <laughs> the no, but the. Monster family. Yeah, no, but um, uh, the Monster, he's the dad from the Monsters.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'd say that's probably you know, his most famous role. No offense to him, but he's got a, a creepy face. His yeah. whole kind of his whole vibe is very half half dead I guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know he's all
1: jowly he's got like kind of deep set eyes he's
0: he's great though he's great in my cousin Vinny he's great in this and uh, calling back to South Park they actually uh, the way they animate the old old uh, farmer is Mm -hmm. a real uh, homage to him
1: totally yeah uh, actually, when I read the book and then I looked up the clips from South Park, I was like, "Oh, this—the way they animated him doesn't really match with the the character I envisioned from reading the book." No, nor kind mine. of a like a wiry, kind shorter, of like, smaller man. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But this guy is hulking. He, he has a giant head. At at one point, I noticed his head is like twice the size of of. Uh, Other character like Rachel's head? He's like John Um,
0: Kerry. He walks into a bar and the bartender says, Why the long face? Yeah, exactly. Mr. Ed. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's he he's got a giant head, yes. But uh he's great. I I freaking love him. Uh do you know who plays this character in the remake? I don't. John Lithgow. Oh,
1: okay. I could see that. Wow, I want to see that actually. Mm. John Lithgow is great. Mm.
0: Sometimes unremade is better. <laughs> <laughs> so, what if, I, what if I
1: had accidentally watched the remake?
0: <laughs> then we would be having a very difficult, uh, difficult recap <laughs> period. So, Denise Crosby played Rachel. You must know who she is, right? Nope. She's fucking Tasha Yar from TNG. God. Mm. Who's that?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave.
0: Star she, Trek, she... the next generation. Yeah, I picked up that part, but who's Tasha, Tasha Yar, Yar? The head of security on the USS Enterprise during the first season of Of Star Trek The Next Generation, she was famously killed by Armis in the episode Skin of Evil and replaced by Worf as the head of security. Because Denise Crosby was not happy and wanted to leave and go on to have a career doing movies instead.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. Now I remember her. Whatever.
0: Is she related to David Crosby? Duh. Really? I don't know. Oh. She wound up coming back for a few episodes to play a version of herself from an alternate version of herself from an alternate universe, but then a half Romulan version of her own daughter from, you know, coming over from the alternate universe and then having sex with her Romulan captors. It it doesn't matter. Anyway, Miko Hughes played Gage. What did you think of him? He, I think he was,
1: he delivered perhaps the best performance of the film. I was like, man, they got a lot of acting out of this baby. Right? Right. Yeah. Especially his undead self. Like. So creepy. Yeah. And the, you know, not to jump ahead too much, but the Judd killing scene, I was like, wow, this kid really plays a great murderer.
0: He did. Yeah. And at the end too, he does some stunts. Does some great stunt work. I mean, obviously, he wasn't doing all that, but there's one point where he, like, towards the end, where he falls over and he, like, bangs his head. And I was just
1: like, Ooh! Totally. Yeah. And had, like, had a lot of lines and really good line delivery for, like, a two year
0: old. Mm. You know, to be honest, I should have looked up how they accomplished that and didn't. Um, So I don't know if it was him delivering the lines, but. Well, let's just keep it a. All right. Keep it a mystery. From the main cast, last but not least, we have Blaze Birdall as Ellie Creed, who I'm going to point out as having like the coolest name I've ever had to say on this podcast. Blaze Birdall. Blaze. Is it A-I or Z? Like
1: B-L-A-Z-E. Whoa. Blaze.
0: Went on to become an American gladiator. Can't believe she wasn't the star of Firestarter. Mm. Now, is Blaze a cooler name for a girl or for a boy? I, I think she owns it.
1: You know, I think I think it's cooler for a girl. It's damn cool either way.
0: It is. I feel like if you're a boy, you have to be cool as shit to pull it off. If you're a girl, you don't have to do much at all. You just, you're just cool. You're just blaze. Yeah. Anywho, you noticed that Stephen King was the minister.
1: That's what I thought you were um, alluding to before when you asked about the director. Yeah. It's
0: like, Hey, this guy.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I feel like (laughs) the entire point of the Missy subplot was just to, have a funeral that wasn't Gage's funeral so that Stephen King could be the minister because that, that plot line de- delivered absolutely nothing. They have a housekeeper. She has cancer. She kills herself. Well, it doesn't relate to the Indian burial ground.
0: It's not in the book. And yeah. it was added. What it replaces is a different subplot that is cut from the book, which is the subplot of Judd Crandall's Judd's wife. wife.
1: I know, but that story actually served to strengthen the bond between Judd and Lewis because Lewis attends to his wife, and it's when she when she has a cardiac arrest and sort of follows up with her.
0: It strengthens their bond as friends, and it sets the stage for Judd actually taking him to the pet cemetery for the first time because it makes Judd feel like he owes Lewis something. Right? Yeah. Otherwise so he never would have gone this, there. Yeah. This missy story just
1: accomplishes nothing.
0: Right. That's I I think it was a strange choice. It it slims the movie down a little bit, but at the cost of some important uh plot and character development. Yeah. 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 There's it also does, uh it does also establish a little bit um Rachel's aversion to death and death related things you know she doesn't attend the funeral just like she doesn't attend Judd's wife's funeral that's true but it happened like all of that is it, it kind it plays out very quickly and subtly like it's not commented on enough and that's a problem throughout this whole movie is that unless you're like really sharp and paying close attention or if you've read the book you won't necessarily notice a lot of stuff yeah, totally.
1: That's a good point. They they do gloss over or or blaze past a few things.
0: I was going to say the exact same thing. I'm glad <laughs> you did. All right. Well, speaking of blazing past stuff, I think it's time to get into the recap. All right. So the movie opens. I'm glad they kept the spiral uh, for the layout of the Pet Sem. Mm-hmm. you know the way it has that kind of uh, mystical shape in the way even the graves are set up yeah that was that was cool i was glad to see they did that and uh
1: for the the micmac burial ground as well it you already kind of mentioned that it looked cool in its shape but it it sort of reminded me of like a um, a labyrinth you know or like a pentagram you- too yeah, that too. It had some some lines sort of crisscrossing the, the
0: concentric circles. I noticed, speaking of the trucks, you know, when they were first arriving, the trucks are going by and it's super loud. I was like, that must hurt the property value of this place. Totally. Right? Would you want to live there with that road up in front? I wouldn't. Absolutely
1: not. No. I, I literally just moved off of a road that was too busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. You'd have trouble sleeping in that place. It's even worse than like, you know, you live in New York and there's kind of like the constant white noiseish hum of traffic and people. But in this place, it's like quiet, 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 quiet. You know? Yeah. Exactly. If it's it's better almost if it's just white noise
1: constantly rather than a, a sudden disruption. Right, but I think I think in the film. Uh, I'm sorry, in the book. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of the reason they were able to get this like large, uh, you know, old Victorian house is because of the uh, the location. Um, like they got a good deal on it.
0: Well, maybe. The bad omens continue just as in the book right away this time it's ellie playing on a tire swing which just immediately breaks she is still annoying right away <laughs> and uh, we meet judd judd comes on comes on in saving gauge from getting run over at least the first time and they yep. like watch out for that rod he's got a great yep. accent a lot of that road's taking a lot of pets yep that's one main road, all right. One main rod. <laughs> like, yeah. Uses up a lot of animals. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's that's the line. Uses up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it uses a up turn, a lot of pets. Turn a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Missy also, it's like she based her accent off him and she she takes it even farther. The yeah. housekeeper's accent is like so intense. I've met people from Maine. They don't sound like that.
1: No, it's it's uh a little bit. Extreme.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, so they notice the path to the pet cemetery and they want to know what it is. So he agrees to uh, take them up there and they go check it out. He tells them all about it. And Ellie has her little freak out about not wanting God to have her cat, you know, because one day the cat will die. And she's like, you know, let God have his own cat. I've got my cat now and he can't have it. Let him take someone else's cat. Mm hmm.
1: You know, Rachel Rachel also has a little bit of a, there, there's a little bit of a nod toward her aversion to death because she immediately kind of becomes unhappy when they, when they get there. So you can tell there's a little bit of energy there around yeah, something.
0: But it's more subtle in this. In the book, this leads immediately to like some really intense marital problems. They like fight right away. But here it's like everything's yeah. glossed. He, uh, Lewis, is like, all right, I'm heading to work. And he's like, they're all like, have a good, have a good day, honey. Immediately. Smash cut. Smash cut to this guy coming in with a gnarly head wound.
1: Brains literally leaking out of his head.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it, the smash cut's funny. But we, <laughs> we could have used a little more settling in maybe. like, A, yeah. a, a lot of what made the book good was this very um, creeping sense of dread throughout it, you know? Like, when he arrives on his first day of work, everything is just so normal, and then this horrifying accident happens that just shatters the normalcy of everything. And without establishing the, like, you know, the regular normal day first you don't get to see the impact of this horrible thing.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They don't, um, uh, this is a good example, but I think they do this in a lot of points in the movie where they just don't let it breathe between, totally. between action. Like it's just one thing to the next thing and the next thing, yep. but there's, they don't, uh, they don't allow for uh, the tension to build or, or really anything to build. Like you don't get a sense of the characters because it's yeah, just like a sequence of things happening.
0: It never settles well, between yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it like jumps from high point of action to high point of action. And it never like has those kind of like, it, it jumps from peak to peak to peak without those like valleys in between where you sort of like, get to know people get to know what life is like for them and what their relationships are like and what a regular day looks, you know, it, mm-hmm. it you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have enough time to build atmosphere as much. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I would have
1: taken another 30 or 40 minutes on this movie if they would have like allowed for a little bit of that, you know, and even the, even the action of the kid dying at the, at the, in the clinic, it's over as quickly as it starts. Like it's, it happens. And then it's smash cut out to that night. Like there's no, you don't see him and how he's affected by it.
0: You know, he doesn't talk to um, his wife about it or anything. It's just, we never even learn his name. There's a part later where Ellie says like, his his name she's like pascal says something and i'm like they never established his name earlier
1: oh they did oh did it's they? not it's not said but uh i think the next day lewis is like looking at a file and it has
0: his photo on it with his name next to it oh all right but well it's but never again said. you have to be like an eagle-eyed viewer exactly you know? and yeah they still have the part where he does that creepy uh grab and talk to him Mm-hmm. which is good, but you know, it's just, it's, it's not, the movie could have benefited from taking its time a little bit more. And, and, and you know, I'm usually an advocate for uh, movies being shorter a lot of the time, but this particular movie, this story is so much about atmosphere and dread that I think it could have, it could have taken its time more. Totally. To let yep. that build. Yeah. So immediately after that, it cuts to the dream, his visit from the dead Victor Pascal, uh, which also, like you said, it it happens too fast. We haven't established any of the trauma of the death, you know, that is being felt by anyone yet. Um, But there is, however, a nice transition that happens uh, directing wise from the dream to Lewis waking up to him discovering his dirty feet in the bed. Mm-hmm. All yeah. the, the one to the other to the other. That, that was pretty good. The
1: cut back to, or the sort of mental
0: flip flop
1: between, ah, it was just a dream to, oh, no, it wasn't.
0: Right. Yeah. Do you think it's weird that, like, just this weird rando is helping this family? Like, why?
1: You mean as a ghost or? Yeah,
0: Yeah, it is. What's his motivation here?
1: (laughs) Well, it's a good point because he's clearly on some side of good. He's, he's warning. uh, He's warning um, the family not to go past the deadfall, but you're right. Why?
0: You know what? It reminded me of so much, particularly in the later parts when he's uh uh kind of coming along with rachel is an american werewolf in london have you ever seen that uh i don't think so i think i've seen the paris uh, paris but london is the older one right yeah that's from 81 i want to say mm-hmm. uh so an american werewolf in london is kind of a horror comedy mm-hmm. a- and in that one uh the main guy is haunted In the same way by the like bloody, gory ghost of I forget if it's either his best friend or the first guy he's killed, who's doing the same thing of trying to get him to do the right thing. But in that one, there's a relationship between them because it's either his friend or the first guy he's killed. And it's related to his werewolf curse. Mm -hmm. But in this, the guy's literally a rando. So yeah. I keep being like why are you t- hanging around this family that you that you have nothing to do with I don't know. To me it it seemed like he was he was possessed by
1: some other like a well-meaning spirit. It wasn't actually this random college student or jogger who was for some reason I, it, it, that was the manifestation but it was like Uh, a spirit for good, like speaking through him from the other side. But again, why? All right. And who?
0: Yeah. Okay. So we hit how we, we hit Thanksgiving and this movie at this point is like we said, burning through plot really fast at the cost Mm -hmm. of some atmosphere and church. The cat dies, gets hit by a car. And uh, Lewis and Judd are discussing how they're going to break it to poor Ellie. When Judd says, maybe there's a better way. Yeah. And I, I, this is where I had the thought that you mentioned earlier that their relationship hasn't been built up enough yet. In the book, Judd owes him for saving his wife. In the movie, Judd doesn't even have a wife. They just sort of are friends and, you know, he should know better. Had a, had a beer together like twice. Yeah. And I mean, it's suggested that they've been hanging out a lot. You know, you can assume that they're close friends, but Judd is presented as a person who should know better than to do this. In the book, he goes against his better judgment because of the reason that he owes him one for saving his Mm -hmm. wife's life. In this, it's a little more flimsy than that.
1: Yeah. I I mean, they they argue later that it's Judd is being pulled by the demonic spirit to uh, influence Lewis, to introduce Lewis to this. But, you know, that's that's one explanation, but it's certainly not uh, as deep as it could have been. Yeah, yeah.
0: So the whole part looks cool. Like I said, the burial ground was a very good looking shot. Uh, We agree that we think is most likely a helicopter, although maybe a crane could have done it. Who knows? Um, We um, I reflected at one point that this takes place in a time where um, cell phones, not having cell phones makes a huge difference. Oh, sure. Yeah. If you missed the
1: call in your landline, that was that was that.
0: Yeah, having cell phones probably would have changed a lot of the plot of this movie. Although, I guess there probably could have been, you know, like once you introduce the magic of it, it's like, oh, don't have self service here in this part of the woods. Right. But so they bury the cat and they get back. And Judd launches into this whole little spiel about how, you know, women folk are better at keeping secrets. The soil of a man's heart is stonier. I, yep. so, I, I wonder do you think that's true do you think women are generally better at keeping secrets than men
1: no not not necessarily it doesn't feel like a very gendered thing
0: yeah yeah same it just made me wonder I was like is that really true Judd? <laughs> anyway yeah. so cut to the next day Lewis is out raking his yard. And I immediately thought of like, you know, you're up in Maine with that huge house. Raking that yard's gotta suck. Constant battle. Mm-hmm. And we get a good jump scare because the cat came back mm-hmm. the very next day. We thought he was a goner. Yeah, sorry. And so um <laughs> it's a good jump scare when church returns because he's he's Creepy, he is a creepy looking cat all of a sudden. Yeah, it's a good He's effect. Got yellow eyes, it's a good effect with the eyes.
1: Yeah, it is. I, I kind of wondered how they is it CGI? They just like yellowed the eyes. Post
0: it's possible, but I feel like if you just kept catching them at an angle with a particular light, I mean, you've seen right. how like animals in the dark, uh, right. their yeah. eyes glow like that. You might have been able to accomplish it. But what I kept thinking was that um, we talked about the good acting from the baby. They got ridiculously good acting from that cat.
1: It's true. It's true. Yeah. It must have been. It's marks and everything.
0: It must have been such hard work because you are literally herding a cat. (laughs) Cats are notoriously difficult to work with.
1: You know, classically trained. (laughs) That cat cat. went to
0: Juilliard (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god No, The the cat was a really good uh, I mean it didn't look like it was ever replaced With an animatronic
1: Yeah actually At a certain point I wondered If it was um, Because they Are kind of mean to it Later (laughs) on Like uh, when Lewis Like grabs it and like holds it up by the scruff and injects it. I'm like, is that a real crap?
0: I I, uh, I wrote down at that point when he's actually killing Church, it looked for a second like he was going to stick the needle <laughs> straight up Church's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's like holding Church and like aiming the needle completely vertically.
0: Yeah. Underneath. I was like, my God, how angry are you? <laughs>
1: he like, goes he goes for the thigh though
0: i know but just like he like there's no reason to pick him up like he gets it caught on the ground and he could have just held him
1: down yeah right
0: i was like what what is happening here is he gonna shove that needle up his ass like what the fuck
1: oh,
0: god damn but um anyway so he also he gets scratched by church and i gotta say like if i was in this movie. I would be worried about getting some kind of weird infection from a zombie cat scratch. No kidding.
1: Yeah. It's got like burial ground dirt
0: under its nails, it, probably. It's got pet cemetery burial dirt in it. Yeah. Who knows? Like, you know, this is how zombie uh, apocalypses start.
1: Hey, maybe, maybe that's how Louis gets a little bit of the, he gets touched by it a little bit mm. inside him.
0: Oh, good call. Anyway, there's also a nice uh little bit where Lewis goes to talk to Judd about it. Uh, like what the fuck has just happened here? The cat came back the mm-hmm. very next day. And you know, Judd tells him about the power of the burial ground. And Lewis Judd acts all like high and mighty. When Lewis asks the most obvious question in the world, has anyone buried a person up there? Yeah, Judd. Yeah, are you Christians and your phrases? I love them. He's like Christ on his throne. No, <laughs> he's like yeah, I know. He's
1: kind of like, why would anyone do that? Like um, to bring back a dead person that they loved? Like this cat? It's a yeah. pretty, pretty basic
0: question, Judd. Come on pretty basic it is like 100% the most obvious question anyone would ask a hundred percent of the time
1: I mean he, he's clearly he's just obf- obfuscating because there is a story so you know yeah, yeah, yeah. but he could have he could have played it down like oh you know we've thought about it but it's a bad idea
0: or he could have been like someone tried once and it went bad yeah just more direct. Could have saved him a lot of trouble, but whatever. Anyway, this is the part where uh, the housekeeper kills herself, which is different <laughs> from the books. Uh, and we get to see Stephen King as the priest, which is a little jarring. It,
1: uh, it is. He's a kind of a weird looking guy. So he like stands out. out. Yeah. yeah.
0: Then though, we get Rachel's story about her sister. We get the sister's backstory. And that's a pun. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Play, play on words. Yeah. Backstory. Yeah. Like it. Dude, it's gross and it's weird and it's kind of awesome. Her sister's affliction and like the, the way whole scene, the way the way yeah. it's done, like when they're showing like, I don't know what they did with her face, but it was, it was great up. makeup and
1: prosthetics, I think. Yeah, her, they made her, her, her actual
0: look- back. When yeah back looked oh all my the God. ribs
1: and shoulder blades are like jutting out and they they made this weird like this like sinewy muscle in her neck too where it just you you got this feeling of her just being this like you know wrapped like ball of of tight muscle and bone and it it was yeah really, it was disturbing it was really disturbing you could kind of feel her agony in that uh in that scene.
0: Yeah, I feel like if I was a little kid watching this movie, that might have been the part of the movie that scared me the most. Yeah, totally. Especially yeah, it the- was very vivid. And it's also a scene where she's the little girl who's forced mm-hmm. to always like go in there and feed her, you know, yeah. so it's like the monster in the attic and you have to like go like visit constantly so yeah, it's good point it, it, it speaks to kids a lot i think so that was very effective and um i feel like they even could have played it up more like they could have made the scene grosser like i i, I wondered if like maybe she was gonna vomit up black bile or something like that that would have been yeah cool. i thought
1: was it was that part of the book there was something black right yeah was it her re- black bile maybe her, yeah, it's I something. Her skin turned
0: black, or something. It's something like oozed, it or something. Yeah, like it yeah. could have been grosser, and that might have helped. But you know, it was still effective anyway. Maybe that would have cost them a uh, a rating. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we go on, and we get to the death of little Gage Crandall. They combine this scene with the uh, last happy memory kite story from the book. It's all it's all one scene in this, and gotta tell you, dude, it's pretty hilarious. What? <laughs> well, I, what did you hilarious? What did you
1: think of this scene? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty dumb. I mean.
0: the 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 like sepia toned beginning of it where it's all like everybody's having a picnic and yeah it's
1: like a dream sequence
0: right and then that kid gets run the fuck over yeah oh man i'd seen it before it's a it's okay or i I'd, i'd seen parts of it before it's just i don't know it's something about it makes me laugh i gotta tell you i
1: i blame the adults There were three three adults there. They knew the road was dangerous. They knew the road was dangerous. Number one, pick somewhere else for your picnic. They got a big backyard. Go in the backyard. Don't go in the front yard. They're like flying the kite over the
0: road. I got a crazy idea. And hear me out on this. They know the road is dangerous, right? It's taken a lot of pets over the years. And they got this toddler. Build a fence. Oh wow! What a revolutionary idea! I know, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: They've only been there for several months.
0: Just a thought. I mean, just j- j- just a small thought. I don't know. Yeah. And then you notice the guys running to try and get him any like trips and falls. I know he could have caught him, but he's like, move!
1: Incomplete pass.
0: and he gets to watch his son get fucking plowed by a freaking semi truck like holy i i wish they'd shown more
1: Uh, yeah i do too it was it was more graphic in the book um oh it's so graphic in the book yeah they describe more of a twisting and i think his head gets caved in or something like that
0: there's like a smushing part and uh
1: yeah, yeah. it's more more grotesque than uh they, sh- they showed but yeah maybe that's another rating rating <laughs> thing <laughs> what was this rated by the way
0: ah oh, geez uh let me check i'm not sure i know is the this, answer to that because it's pre-pg-13 times no, Before. this is from 1989, so this is after that. Um, okay. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming it was rated R. I mean, you see a, a guy's Achilles tendon get cut, so I'm going to yeah. guess it was rated R. Um, Yeah, so we have the funeral, and once again, talking about stuff that isn't, built up enough and you have to be paying really close attention to get what's going on we get the fight with the father-in-law and it's like we've seen a glimpse of the father-in-law before but he hasn't been firmly and also later in the scene uh, Denise Crosby calls out daddy and we've had some small bits of dialogue that suggest that he and Lewis don't get along but it hasn't been firmly built up that the and relationship it was is bad.
1: so firmly built up in the book.
0: It was like a the huge whole, part
1: of the book. The whole reason he doesn't go there on Thanksgiving is because he's hated by them. Uh, you know, the hate is mutual, but there's a whole plot where um, Rachel's father had tried to buy him out of their relationship at one point. Right. Like, and it, here's it, like- a check, leave my daughter
0: it goes and it, it impacts the, uh you know, the part when she's talking about her history with Zelda, her sister. And, yeah. you know, the funeral scene is longer. Like, this is like the, the funeral scene starts and it's straight into this. They and cut to that, yeah. It's straight into the fight. And so the awfulness of it doesn't land as hard as it could have. Like, right. th- this is a coffin flop that happens, yeah. you it know? Just... Like, a chunk that's it's over like it, it could it could have registered as so much worse right. had they given this scene enough time to breathe like right yeah, like and- Rachel is there like they they skipped over all of the cajoling and work that they had to do in order to get Rachel to even attend this funeral in the first place given all of her hang-ups about death. She and, didn't even
1: go to the first viewing in the book. There's like two sittings, I think. And, yeah. and she skipped the first one. Lewis is like in a fugue state the they whole had to time.
0: Dope her like up to the gills. Lacking
1: out, can't yeah. handle any responsibilities. His like doctor partner is like filling in everything.
0: And then there's a fight between her husband and her father that causes her dead son to like partially spill out of the coffin. It's like the most awful thing that could conceivably happen to any person. And it just, in this, is barely a scene. Yeah, it's given lip service. Yeah, so I'm a little critical of that. Because you have to feel like, the awfulness of this is part of what drives Lewis over the edge into taking the extreme steps of what he ultimately does.
1: Exactly. I mean, this just goes back to the, they're not spending the time developing anybody's motivation.
0: Yeah. They're just kind of running through all the points of the story without developing right. like
1: they, the story. They wrote the, 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 Movie into an outline format. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is
0: part F. They're, now we go to part G. They're rushing just, through it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, so speaking of which, we now get to the convo between Judd and Lewis that you predicted would happen. It's got to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're thinking of putting them up there, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, dead is better. He says that like five times. Yeah, I know. Well, he also there's there's a good so uh, during this scene, you know, Judd clearly knows what Lewis is thinking, and he says sometimes dead is better. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like that scene from South Park where uh, the uh, what's his face does it with butters. You're thinking of putting them up there, aren't you? <laughs> and, But um, Mm -hmm. he tries to discourage him because he's like, you know, I lied before someone has tried it with a person and the person you put up there, ain't the person that comes back. Mm -hmm. And he tells him the story of like, what is it? A Timmy, Timmy Butterman or (laughs) Timmy? Let's go with Timmy Butterman. Yeah. Timmy, Timmy Belcherstein or, you know, it's a Timmy, Um, Timmy Butterbelcher, Timmy Butterbelcher, during the end of world war ii he went up there and he came back wrong murderous wrong yeah well but no see it wasn't even that he was just like in the book and i feel like we just keep going like talking about how much the book was better and i don't just want to do that but so much of it has to do with not just the level of detail but kind of the um the subtle little ways that things were more dreadful, you Mm -hmm. know, here in the movie, he comes back and he's just kind of a zombie. Like, you know, he's like flailing his arms and bloody in the face and moaning. But in the book, he had a, a, a sinister intelligence behind him.
1: Yeah, he would I think he made some oh, he he like knew things about people, right? He knew
0: things he shouldn't have known. Yeah, He was like saying, oh
1: yeah, you cheat on your wife or or whatever or you're going to die in this manner.
0: You're embezzling from the store, you you know and he said it all to the guys who came to kill him, he said all those things to them and to Judd he said like, you know, you're cheating on your wife and she's cheating on you with like every single one of the people you uh, call your friends and like they wind up destroying him but what he said had like profound uh, personal impacts on them for the rest of their lives you know like cut them to the core and that is frightening absolutely yeah. I, I get they didn't have the same amount of time to work with but i don't know yeah it's um
1: it's a bummer there's there's also a whole story about a bull that was i i mean it would have been very cool to see that on screen like yeah somehow somehow they brought a bull up this hill to the burial ground and then this bull was like going completely crazy. I mean, I understand that would be extremely hard to do on a low budget, but um, that was a story that they kept going back to in the book um, and was just absent.
0: Yeah. And this, we had to make do with uh, Judd's dog is the thing that he references instead. But well, anyway, so we come to the uh, center point. We come to the centerpiece scene of the movie which is the grave robbing of gage's final resting place uh i kept wondering as he was digging it up now that i was actually like looking at it visually i was like could one guy do this do you think you could on your own dig up even a little kid's grave in one night you mean again either way (laughs) like just given how much earth you have to move Sorry, Dave, I was trying to make a joke that I had done that before. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Sorry, Um, I was slow on the uptake there.
1: Yeah, you know, it would take time. You're just moving dirt, though. I mean, classically, gravediggers were, that was a job, so. Yeah, but they were in teams,
0: I guess so. I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm just saying it's hard. Okay. Whatever. Fine. Forget it. Forget it. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, we finally get creepy, undead baby Gage, and he is creepy. I give them points for that.
1: I hate to keep saying this, but this scene was ruined. Oh, this the gra- the grave digging scene was completely ruined. They he literally just goes to the cemetery midday, and is just like, oh, okay, guess I'll pop over this fence and sit by the grave for a while. In the book, he he goes at night for one thing, and like he has to skulk around to avoid a bunch of cars to avoid being seen with his digging tools. He has to uh, climb up a tree in order to scale the fence. And it just has to kind of overcome like myriad uh, obstacles, which serve to show like, like I, like I said in the, in the first part, like how many things he is choosing to push past in order to accomplish this. Whereas here it's almost easy. There's, there's nothing in his way. I think in the book, he even like impales himself yeah, uh, on the on the spiky fence, and that didn't happen here. Um, so it's like, and and this is one of the most pivotal pivotal points where he is he is going beyond a certain point of turning back, and it's just easy. It's not even there's no conflict. There's no tension with it.
0: Yeah, well, it's like we said earlier about how so much of the book seems to turn on the question of decision-making, right? Of, you, you know, when you make decisions and all the lies you tell yourself and sort of the, the ways you justify things and, you know, how you kind of let, give yourself outs all the way up to the key point and then just let yourself fall over the edge, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I guess, just got cut for time whoop de do well to be f- to be a little fair to the filmmakers that is also something that's very difficult to portray visually i suppose that's true yeah but something was lost by that yeah mm-hmm. gage comes back and he retrieves Honestly, one of the most terrifying murder weapons that you could possibly have in a movie from Lewis's medical bag. Special scalpel. The only thing I think would scare me more would be a straight razor. Hmm. Why is that? Scalpels, straight razors, box cutters things like that things that are so insanely sharp they just uh if someone was coming after me with things like that they they just terrify me one i don't like the idea that someone is trying to cut me with someone like that and it also speaks to the idea that the person attacking you is really a special kind of psycho because it's like an intimate thing yeah and that they chose that weapon Mm mm-hmm you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have to like, you have to get really close to the person. And I mean, it's interesting because it's, it is Lewis's, you know, he's using his own.
0: And just the things you can do with that. are just, Mm -hmm. you know, even more so than with a regular knife or just a little scarier to me. Yeah. They're small too, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I find those to be very frightening weapons. So, yeah. So so the end here I actually found to be pretty effectively quite scary. Uh, he goes to Judd's house. Poor Judd. So this is actually kind of a, well, this is the f- most famous scene from this movie. This was well-known. I talked about it in part one. This is where he bowed out for a minute. Okay. Judd's death scene is fucking brutal, dude. Yeah, it's like
1: all of the worst ways in one, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I've mentioned in a few other uh, horror-based pods that there was back in the aughts, constantly on Bravo, this like the 100 best scares from horror movie history that had all these scenes from different horror movies and it exposed me to all sorts of different horror films that to that point I hadn't seen. So that's sort of how I learned about Suspiria and Mm -hmm. all sorts of other films that I've since either seen or even done for the pod. And this scene, the, uh, the cutting of Judd's Achilles tendon was Mm -hmm. part of that. Obviously they didn't show the exact point, uh, on daytime TV, but. They, mm-hmm. they showed as much of it as they could and they talked about it and so that's how i knew about it what i didn't know was that he also gets him in the face and then yeah. fucking bites out his throat yeah damn awesome. oh
1: yeah he like gives him a joker he does Kinda gives him cutting a cutting across the lips and cheeks
0: gives him a chelsea grin
1: yeah Oof. Yeah. yeah just biting his throat right out like oh interesting oh. choice Uh, But talk about intimate. Yeah, that was really impressive though, for the the kid. Mm -hmm. Like the kid was actually acting that like, okay, Timmy, now go bite him in the throat. We put peanut butter on it. (laughs)
0: Like he's a dog. Yeah. So Rachel arrives. And the first thing that the creature that was once Gage does is fucks with her as zelda Mm -hmm. and that was creepy as shit
1: totally yeah because she's like she's down on the ground like uh, almost like she's in a contorted ball um you know like twisted and you know hobbled by her disease so it it had kind of that like creepy like You know, the ring monster sort of like on the
0: ground and uh there was a a, a twisted uncanny, not quite human look to it, like shaped wrong. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. And the thing she was saying. What did she say? She was like, I'm gonna twist your back so that you can never leave the bed. Oh yeah. God. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. You know, and it's also like her own personal phobia slash nightmare. So, right, exactly. I might have peed my pants if I was in that situation. I've have peed you ever my pants while I was watching it? God damn. I was just going to ask, <laughs> have you ever peed your pants out of fear?
1: <laughs> I don't think so, thankfully.
0: Hmm. Have you? Hmm. <laughs> Not recently not recently but in the past so after he does this gage uh-huh. then reveals his true face and rachel is too shocked and in love with her son to notice the double entendre that he's getting at when he's like i brought you something mommy when that thing is in fact a straight razor yeah that didn't that didn't uh,
1: raise her alarm at all
0: didn't register kinda, in time. No. Yeah,
1: kind of weird. Yeah, well. C'est la vie, am I right? I mean, I guess she doesn't
0: know the whole backstory, but... She knows a backstory. Oh, God. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, but, you know, she's also, you know, nothing can get through a mother's love.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: A mother loves her child, Brian. I mean, do you think she would have been able to kill him even if she knew what he had become?
1: No, probably not. Probably would have been too
0: much. Yeah. Yeah. But fortunately, a father's love only goes so far. And Lewis is perfectly (laughs) capable of murdering his own son. So (laughs) he wakes up.
1: He had already kind of planned on maybe having yeah, to do this yeah just just in case
0: i, I did want to put him back to sleep back to sleep um did you notice that when he falls out of bed when he wakes up it's like He's, brutal he smashed his head on the, the nightstand yeah i was like holy <laughs> shit <laughs> that looks so painful yeah and it looked like he really <laughs> hit his head too i, I think he did yeah On like the corner of the nightstand. Yep. (laughs) It it just looked so bad. I was, I like winced. So it was like the most painful looking thing in the whole movie. And I just seen a guy get his Achilles tendon sliced off. So (laughs) he he comes across the street after he gets a phone call from Gage where Gage is like, now I want to play with you. Mm -hmm. Not creepy at all i know and on the phone too how'd you learn how to use a phone how'd you get this number how's he even using the phone what do you like step up on a chair
1: i know they're all wall mounted yeah seriously. five feet in the air back
0: then yeah so he uh, he, he kills church again looking like he's going to shove the needle straight up church's ass but whatever mm-hmm. kills church then he gets in a pretty good fight with gage this was the thing i mentioned earlier about pretty good directing the gage kind of whoops his ass for a second and as far as the staging of a fight between an adult and a toddler (laughs) not the worst you're right
1: yeah they did a good job with
0: it yeah right i thought it was okay yeah so uh, you know, it, it is an adult against a toddler, so he does win in the end, right? Right. Win he,
1: by stabbing a hypodermic needle into his son's
0: neck. Yeah, it's like full of an overdose of morphine. Um, yeah, but the kid fucks him up first too with that that scalpel. Yeah, he, it's he true. Cut to shit, but you know, it was still, still his his win and uh the kid dies but of course rachel is dead now so he burns down the house and as you do as one does to cover up all the horrible things you've done but he's still got the wife and now it's time to take another crack at it (laughs) he's like
1: yeah his his logic is gage was dead for too long rachel just died she'll be fine that's what he's time for the evil to set in
0: exactly. Yes, as he tells the ghost of uh Victor Pascal on his way back up to the pet cemetery, uh, showing that he has clearly gone insane. I think, <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and
0: <laughs> the end of the movie then is him, uh, being visited by the reanimated Rachel who, mm-hmm. uh, does not look good.
1: Oh my god, this was some great disgusting special effects
0: yeah the makeup on her eye
1: is missing and it's like streaming pus, which i think he gets in his mouth when they like make out hard
0: (sighs) it's such a gross kiss so gross and then the ending is a little ambiguous as to whether or not (laughs) it's happy ever after or if she uh kills him
1: yeah, she could have just been holding up that kitchen knife to cook him a nice dinner. A turkey. snack. Yeah. Yeah. Not stabbing him. Right. And yeah. so... guess we'll that... have to wait for Pet Sem 2. Pet Sem 2, <laughs> <I don't>... baby. <laughs> I assume and... it picks right back up where the first one leaves.
0: We'll find out. But yeah, and so that's the end. That is the end of Pet Sem. Uh, Brian, what did you think?
1: I think, you know, I, I, you know, this movie had its, it had its parts.
0: It had its um, charms.
1: I think I probably viewed it more harshly or with, or with more scrutiny, probably. Scrutiny? Uh, scrutiny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: I probably viewed it more harshly or with more scrutiny, uh, having read the book and like knowing some of the details kind of having expectations going in. Yeah. Um, and I think because of that, I was, I was disappointed, I think on its own, like in a vacuum, it's like, like you said, like it'd be an okay watch. It has its moments, uh, you know, it's not terrible, but it's also not good.
0: Do you think you would have liked it more if you hadn't read the book?
1: I do actually.
0: Hmm. Well,
1: that's a good question because my, my, you know, knowledge of the story might've filled in some gaps that I may have just been confused about um, just watching it cold. So.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, you might not have had that, you know, expectations.
1: Right. Yeah. It goes both ways. I, I think, I think I was left more disappointed because I read the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, And then let me ask you to going back to the book, how much did you like that? I mean, do you feel like you're going to go on with the Stephen King experiment? Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah. I I like the book quite a bit and yeah, I have continued uh, reading uh, more of his, of his books. So, cool yeah yeah i like his i like his writing
0: right on let me just fill you in on a little bit of stuff brian this movie had a budget of 11.5 million dollars how much do you think it made
1: oh wow so that's up to today how much did it make are we talking box office box office (sighs) Let's see, this came out when? 1989, 1986? 89. Um, 89. I'm going to go with 27.1 million. It made
0: $57.5 million. Wow. That's a good return. Yeah, it was a successful film. Hmm. And so, like I said, it was successful enough to spawn a sequel and a remake that came out in 2019. And so with that, Brian, I think I know what the answer is going to be, but we got to ask it to make sure that it's explicit. Was this movie better? Yes, exactly. Was this movie better late or never? It's a never for me, Doug. Yeah, fair enough. I think I would say the same for me, unfortunately. I feel like I could have gone the rest of my life without having seen the movie, and that would be just fine. I had already seen the best scene from it, and (laughs) that was enough. That's all you need, really. Right. What about the book? Oh, no. I'm glad I read that. So the book's a better late? Better late book, for sure. Right on. Right on. All right, man. Well, I think that's it. You got any uh, final final things to say? You got any plugs?
1: Be on the lookout for uh, m 2. And uh, hopefully in
0: the next couple of years, Gremlins 3. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Revenge of the Mogwai. That's right. All right. Cool. Well, Brian, it was a pleasure having you, as always. Great to be here, Dave. And that will do it for... This episode of the better late than never scary, terrifying Halloween Stephen Kingathon book movie part one pet cemetery episode show. If you would like to reach out to us, we are available at betterlate than never pod at gmail.com and you can always tweet at us at better late underscore pod. Tune in next time when we will be going over yet another film, quite possibly another film based on a Stephen King book. With all that being said, happy Halloween and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.